Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the amazing opportunity to uh, just come together even virtually on this amazing day of the resurrection and this amazing day of celebration. So Lord, we come to you and we thank you first and foremost that you are the risen Savior and that Lord, you have conquered sin and death on our behalf. And Father, now we gather together and we just lift our praise and worship up to you today. Even as we're reminded of the story of Easter, we want to be reminded of all that we have in you. So we thank you for all that you are and all that you do and all that you've called us to. And we just rejoice in the fact that we can say he is risen. He is risen indeed. And we thank you for that. And here we go. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, I just want to um, say as we kick off that this is a, a, a unique Easter for all of us. Um, I was thinking back to my um, Easter Sundays with Leduc Fellowship Church, and um, this is my 17th year of doing Easter as a part of this family uh, with one year off in between when I went on staff at West Meadows Baptist Church. Uh, had one year when a few of us went to Kenya a few years ago, and uh, we arrived back either Good Friday evening or Saturday, I'm not sure, but we made it to Easter Sunday, and what a joy it was to be in celebration with our church family for that. So my heart would be that we'd be in the same room, that we would be uh, together, and that we could do the things that we want to do to gather around the coffee bar and give those uh, He is risen, He is risen indeed moments to each other in person. But that was not meant to be this year, but that's okay. We're thankful for technology that allows us to gather together. But as a pastor, I must admit that I uh, struggled to know how to prepare for today. It's a lot easier to preach to a live audience and to get excited about the celebration when I can see your faces and to, to just dig in to Jesus with you. But I'll do that through the chat room and through the things I hear in the chat room today. But I have to say that I did struggle and I, I, I looked at too many things and I guessed about too many different ways of things we should do things. And I looked on uh, other people's web pages to see what they were doing. And I followed many friends who are pastors. And, and there was this guilt I felt for saying that, you know what, maybe we're not doing enough. Maybe we're not doing it the right way. And maybe we should have pre-recorded this to make sure that the sound works. But I truly just want to come to you today with a pastor's heart and a shepherd's heart. And I want us to just embrace this moment together. I have to think about the context of, of where we come from and what we're walking through, the study that we've been doing this year with regard to Jesus and uh, his work and uh, Jesus and all that he was striving to do in those three years of his ministry. And as we celebrated Good Friday, and as we heard those readings and listened to those songs, and as we celebrated the idea that this Lord and Savior, this God who came and took on our human form, who was perfect in every way and yet tempted in every way, who died a horrible death on the cross, who, who allowed himself to be spit upon and beaten and put through a, a sham of a trial after trial after trial. He was denied and betrayed, and yet he came to accomplish the work that the Father had sent him to do. So as he went to that cross and 
died on that cross for our sins and went to that tomb and laid dead for three days and then was risen on the third day, we have to understand that he was truly doing what the Father had laid out for him to do. So we thank you for the fact that, uh, we thank him for the fact that he did what he was called to do, but you have to understand the confusion of those who followed him, the disappointment that they felt, assuming that Jesus was the new king, the new Messiah, the one who would overthrow by power the Roman Empire and would bring Israel back to prominence. And then his kingdom was an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that was not as people expected it to be. So that day when he died on that cross and that day in between, things were quite confused, confused and confusing for his followers. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And this is the beauty of what we get to celebrate in Easter, that we come some 2,000 years later to understand, looking back to all that happened then and afterwards, and to be reminded time and time again through teaching and through great study tools that we have, that we can see what Jesus came to do and why he must die. But for those people in that time who sat at the foot of the cross and who abandoned him at the cross, they did not understand we have this privilege to come and now see and understand that what he did by dying on the cross and going into the tomb was not the end. It can seem like the end. It may have seemed like the end to his followers. Many denied him and betrayed, one betrayed him and many left him and abandoned him. Already in these first few days, people are going back to their work as fishermen and other things that they were doing beforehand. But this was not the end. It was the end of sin. It was the end of shame. It was the end of hopelessness and frailty of human effort. But it was not the end of the king or his kingdom. Jesus came to set up the kingdom of God and, and to prepare his people that they would follow after him. And we must celebrate today the fact that this kingdom is not ended. This king sits on his throne and he rules over his kingdom that he has given to his followers to continue on the work of and we are those people. So we need to celebrate the fact that the king is alive. The king is not dead. The kingdom has not come to an end. But many of the negative things that we try to carry in our life, the shame, the hopelessness, the frailty of human effort, as we talked about before, these things need to end. We need to trust that God has, in his sovereign power, given his son, Jesus Christ, to us become the sacrificial lamb that he might wipe away the sins of our world. The song that you listened to just before we came on, it's called Praise the King by Corey Voss. I want to just read you these words again. 
says there's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing on through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is alive. And then the chorus goes on to say, praise the king, he is risen. Praise the king, he is alive. Praise the king, death's defeated. Hallelujah, he's alive. Hallelujah, he's alive. There's a reason why our hearts can be courageous. There's a reason why the dead are made alive. There's a reason why we share his resurrection. Jesus is alive. What a beautiful song to remind us of all the things that have ended, the the curse of sin, the darkness that that rules this earth, um, and we are able to stand forgiven with him. We're not overtaken. We sing through the night no matter what happens. Our hope remains eternal. We can stand courageous. We're made alive, and we can share in his resurrection because of the work that Christ did on the cross. In this season that we're walking through right now, I think we have a lot to be reminded of, a lot to celebrate. Obviously, as we come to Easter, we want to celebrate the message of the risen Christ. We want to celebrate the fact that our sins have been washed away, that death has been conquered on our behalf, and we no longer have to worry about eternal death, but we can celebrate eternal life. But as we walk through this crazy season of pandemic, we have to understand that I believe God is calling us back to put things in order again. Many missiologists talk about the fact that we often get things wrong in our Western church. We think about how we do church first, and then we try to fit Jesus and mission into that. But the reality is that Christ always comes first. Christ is always central to who we are and what we're called to do and to the message that we preach. And then mission Uh, That purpose for which God has called his people together is second. And then, as missiologists would say in their fancy language, ecclesiology, the study of the church and how we do things is always third. And yet we so often worry about how we do church, how we gather, where we gather, the things that we do. And all these things are, are good and important, and they're not wrong necessarily. But we can put that the importance upon the church service, the church gathering, the the programs of the church, rather than Jesus himself, the risen Savior, and the mission that he has called his people to be on as people of his kingdom with him. I think in this season, we have to be reminded of the fact that God is calling us back to put him first and, and foremost in all things, that he's asking us to be about the mission of God, that he's teaching us to to be about the work that he's called us to do. And he's not upset, I don't think, with how we do church. I don't think he's breaking the church down to get rid of it. But I think he truly wants us to put him first. My hope would be that when we can gather together again in the church building and when we can come together and celebrate together with live worship and just encourage one another, I hope we can do so with a renewed energy and effort to understand that Christ is center to all of that. And that the mission he has called us to is important for us to follow. Today, I want you just to hear the message of hope of the resurrection again. And I want you to hear the power that it has 
to all of us. I want to read to you just a, a, a number of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to tell you the references. They're listed in the, the chat that Pastor Dustin put in there. But I just want to read to you from the Gospel of John and from a number of the epistles of the Apostle uh, uh, Paul and then from Revelation and ending, kind of giving us the full scope of what God has accomplished through Christ on the cross. So once again, I ask that you would just sit and enjoy and listen, take it in. As the rules apply here as everywhere else, if you need to close your eyes to take it in, please do so. Just take a posture of, of comfort and a posture of receiving. Don't fall asleep. Just listen to these words as we walk through these scriptures together. So allow me to read to you. Early on the first day of the week, while, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, your sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, my friends, I want to go on in reading of Scripture and the Scriptures that speak to us of what this all means to us today. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was sitting on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Father, we give you these words back to you. These words that you spoke in many times and many different ways to many different people. Lord, we thank you that your word speaks to us even today. The father, we can not only understand that you truly were raised from the dead as you expected to be and promised that you would. The Father, you conquered our sin and our death that we would not have to hold those things any longer. And the Father, you have called us to a new life as adopted children of you, the King. And Father, you have prepared us and gifted us and called us to be your people, saved by grace, trusting in faith, 
serving out of your calling. And Father, we celebrate your resurrection today, and we thank you for the fact that we serve a risen Savior, not one who died once and for all, but one who died and was raised again. So, Father, we thank you for these scriptures, and we thank you for what they teach us about you. Once again, we would ask that we would be reminded to always put you first. And, Father, to be about the work of your kingdom. And, Father, we thank you for the fact that you allow us to be your church. You allow us to gather together and to serve together as we serve you. But, Father, allow us to be, first and foremost, focused on you and your kingdom And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we read those scriptures, I hope they spoke to you. I hope this idea of God's redemptive work being one love story throughout all of scripture came alive in some small way in those readings. I believe that God wants us to not be sidelined by all that's going on in our world. And actually, I think it's the opposite. He wants us to find our place in our society, in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace. He wants us to find our voice in a new way in this season. As we kind of bring this time to a close, I want to remind us that this is not the end, that the death of Jesus was not the end. The, the, the burial was not the end. It was just the beginning of his work in his kingdom. So I want to bring us back to that, even in these moments, to understand that while our, our way of doing church has changed for this season at least, we have to be mindful of what God is calling us to. I want us to keep our eyes open. I want us to be awake to the things that he is providing for us as opportunity to serve him. That comes in our love for one another and treating each other as Christ would treat treat us. To share and covering one another's burdens and carrying one another's burdens. To be looking at the, the one another's of scripture to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to share the burden of others, to come and lift up the arms of those who need to be lifted up. I want to encourage us to be very mindful of those things. So we read through the scripture, we read the, the passage of the resurrection, but we also read many passages through the writing of Paul that says these are the things that we are called to do and called to be. These are the things that we have because of what Christ did for us. And if nothing else in this season, I hope you'll open up God's word and just read through it and be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ and be reminded of the, the amazing opportunity that Jesus has given us to walk as he walked, to serve as he served. And then we ended by reading from Revelation the fact of how things will be restored someday to the way that they were originally intended to be, a new heaven and a new earth, no tears, no pain, no crying. The fact that God will live with his people and we will be his people and he will be our God. I want us to come back to that. And be hopeful to that. So we wait for that. We look forward to that. We know that he will return someday. And until he does, we are called to be about the work that he's called us to do. I know some are thinking this is is the end. This This is getting ready for the second coming. Well, 
I don't know if it is or not, but I know he has been preparing for the second coming all along. I know that he will return someday. And until then, we are called to not worry about when it will happen, but to think about what we can do until it happens. Passage of scripture that changed my life when I was 18 years old was Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. I've shared the story for those in our family at LFC. I've shared the story before, but just one night in a desperation, crying out to God and finding a reference to this passage in an article or actually an ad in a magazine. And I looked it up in the Bible that my grandmother had given me. And I read these words. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And I learned this originally and read it originally in the King James Version and then learned it in the the New American Standard that talks about being zealous for what is right. I'm thankful for the chance to read that verse that night And I believe that this was truly the beginning of the call that God put on my heart towards ministry. And that not as vocational pastor, but as child of God who's called to live out the power of the resurrection and the work that he called me to do. I served this calling out as a volunteer for many years before I was a paid pastor. And I believe that God has a calling for each one of our lives. And I believe in the season of celebrating the resurrection We need to be, once again, thinking about and paying attention to what God is calling us to in our lives, but also in this specific season of life. And if you feel like God has not called you, I I think you just need to look and listen a little more and pay attention to what God is putting on your natural path of life and allow him to show you what he wants you to do. I think we have an amazing opportunity, not as Leduc Fellowship Church, But as Leduc Fellowship Church is a part of the united Catholic whole church of Jesus Christ across our globe to be actively about bringing the hope that so many people need to hear with regard to the gospel of Jesus. I don't know how long this pandemic will last and I don't know how long people's interest will last, but I can say that there are people who are looking now, they're seeking, they're asking questions And I believe that this is an opportunity that God does not want us to let go wasted. I think it's something that we need to be ready to give account for what we believe and the hope that we have at any moment in every moment. But I believe that we have fertile ground for the harvest, which is plentiful right now. So I want to encourage us as we close that God has put a calling on your life to be his child. To first and foremost, accept that gift of, of salvation through believing the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and accepting his free gift. But after that calling comes a calling to serve him. And as we wait for him to return, we are called to work and to serve. 
We don't earn, earn our salvation that way, but we truly are about his kingdom work. So while we may feel at moments that we have despair, like those early followers felt that day, that evening, when they waited for Christ to, to be resurrected, not knowing what they were waiting for, I believe that God is working in this season in a mighty way. And I believe that he's given us the hope of the gospel. And I believe he's imprinting in our hearts in a new way the fact that we need it so desperately. So as we wait, we work. As we wait, we go about his kingdom task that he's called us to. As we wait, we listen to what he's telling us we should be doing, who we should be sharing with, where we should spread the seed of his gospel. We need to be encouraging one another in this seeking of God. So let's encourage one another to be about all of this, to wait and work, to expect his coming again someday. But until then, let's not worry about it. Let's not fret about it. Let's give our whole to sharing the hope of the gospel of Christ. And let's rejoice today as we gather, whether it's in person or virtually with our families, let's celebrate around the fact that the king and the kingdom have not come to an end, that the king is alive and well and sits at the right hand of the father interceding for us, even in this moment. And yet his kingdom has begun here on earth. It's not perfect, but he's given us the task of being about the work of the kingdom. Let's be seriously about that work as we celebrate even today the hope that we have because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I ask that you be with me, and then we'll just encourage you to go be with your families virtually or live, and that you just celebrate once again the resurrection today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you Again, and we thank you for your word that speaks to us so vividly, so vibrantly, so so as much in importance today as it was 2,000 years ago. So, Father, as we study your word and as we lean into your word and as we're called to do the work that you've called us to do, we ask that as we wait for you to return, that we would be about your kingdom work, that we would be about the beauty of your kingdom in the mess of the world that we would be about the hope of the kingdom when there is a lack of hope amongst our people. Father, we would ask that we would truly spread the seed of the good news as we share the hope that we have. And the reason we celebrate, even in the celebration of the resurrection. So, Father, allow us to be mindful of the fertile ground before us today and the weeks and months and years to come that we would stand unashamedly on your gospel and that we would share that hope that we have with those who need it. So first and foremost, we come back to the fact that we thank you for what you accomplished for us on the cross. And we thank you for the love you showed for us in that action. Now, Father, allow us to be obedient back to you, celebrating what you have done but picking up the mantle of the work that you've left for us to do. We thank you for that. In Christ's precious name, amen.